The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. Sorry I had the uh, the jet going here on the, on the computer, the fans blasting you guys out uh, along with the intro there. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I do hold to the book, The Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here on Thursday morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. If you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, scroll down right there on the right. That's right, you can see the faces made for radio, and uh, you can catch the live video uh, stream of the radio show. You can also catch that on my Twitter account at FPPTim, my Periscope account at Setting Brushfires. Our Facebook page at Bradley Dean SOL, our YouTube channel at B Dean Sons of Liberty. We're on the front page of BeforeIt'sNews.com. Thank you to Michael Roach over there for that, and also DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. Yeah, you can find our posts on Spreely Gab, MeWe Minds, and USA.life uh, under Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. If you'd like to call in at any time, please stick to the topic. We're on England today, and uh, the the Coronavirus Act. 2020 and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today so if you got a question you got a comment throw it in the chat i'll try to get to it i'm trying to watch all the different chats and uh, if you got a question you can toss that in if you can't call in if you could call in call in 215 top talk 215-867-8255 now with that said we've got another guest from the uk this morning and uh, we're happy to have him on and, and for him to take time to be with us he is english democrat Robin Tilbrook. Now, Robin was recommended to us by our health and wellness expert on Saturday, Kate Shimarani, and uh, we're happy to welcome him to the Sons of Liberty here in the United States. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, it's great Thank to have you, man. I, 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 my English friends over there, I'm like, you guys drive me right to the wire when we're getting ready to start and things, but I appreciate you, ta- you taking time to come and, and speak with us. Uh, Kate spoke highly of you and the fact that you are there fighting against a certain tyranny. And I don't know the, if there's any difference uh, in England with the titles of Democrats or any of this kind of stuff that we have here in the States. In the States, it's a dog and pony show. It's a WWE. There's they continue to push the same agenda. It doesn't matter if they have a D or an R on them. It, that makes no difference. They continue to push the same agenda. So I don't, I don't really care about getting into that. What I'm interested in is your stand against this Coronavirus Act 2020 because 
I was talking to Kate prior to the show this morning, and she was basically saying this thing at the heart of it, if you do anything, they can arrest you. You'll sit in jail up to eight months before you even get a court date. Now, can you kind of tell us how you got into what you're doing and what's going on with this Coronavirus Act 2020 and what you and those like you of like mind are doing to subdue the tyranny that's there and protect the, the liberty of the people? Yes. So uh, first thing, if I could just say uh, the English Democrats have nothing to do with uh, the American Democrats. Okay. Uh, we, we, took our, we took our name from um, the, the idea of democracy, which is supposed to be the rule of the people. Uh, and obviously we're uh, concerned about England and the English. Uh, and so therefore we're a patriotic uh, party um, and, uh, and not, not like the uh, Democrats seem to be. Um, so far as my personal involvement is, con- is concerned, I am the um, leader and chairman of the English Democrats, but I'm also a, sol- a solicitor, um, which is the, the sort of term for a, um, a lawyer, um, some- something similar to an attorney, but we, we perhaps do less, the solicitors pro- probably do slightly less court work and, and uh, advocacy in court, but we do more of the preparation and getting things sorted out. Um, and so I've been getting involved in um, bringing court cases um, against the government over the way that they've been um, using the uh, the pandemic excuse to um, dramatically increase the powers of the state um, over us. Um, we've even had our um, elections suspended until next year and, and, and maybe a lot longer. We don't know. Uh, they're just saying next year at the moment. Um, so there's no elections here at all, um, and um, the ministers are now able to rewrite law, whether it be statute law or common law, according to their their rules. They say that they can rewrite uh, any act, any law, um, without having to go to Parliament and, and get it legislated, just on on ministerial order. So basically, they're coming out and they're telling you, we're not going to follow the rules anymore that everybody agreed to. We're going to change the rules in the middle of everything that's going on. And uh, you people are just going to have to eat it. And we're just going to do what we're going to do. Uh, But here's the thing. I'm seeing these massive uprisings of protests. We had the one... um, a week ago, Saturday in Trafalgar Square, and by the way, we're gonna—you guys are gonna have another one next Saturday, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. And yes. Kate's gonna come on and talk about that. She's gonna talk about what they did, her and Kevin, the small little gathering that they had, and they sent out hundreds of cops. You know, really manhandled her. Um, and I think she's got somebody who has said who said that they're ready to sue on her behalf for assault the way they treated her. I mean, they really shook her up. Uh, they they treated the people who were there to hear what was going on. Those who were protesting stand up X uh, who had come out there, they were all about shutting them down, moving them out of the way while they let the counter protesters and the provocateurs there. But the people of England are. I think there are many who are starting to wake up. There were tens of thousands there the other week. And I have no doubt that that number will only grow, uh, you know, a week from Saturday. So with that said, does that give you some encouragement over when your government is doing what they're doing, that the people aren't just sitting back and just taking it? They're going, they're taking to the streets. They're trying to do things peacefully to get their, their representatives to hear them, because if the representatives won't hear them, then there's only one other thing for that. And that is going to be a violent reaction to that. And I, 
I mean, you just can't help it. The state is going to try to, you know, preserve its power. Does it give you uh, some encouragement to see your your fellow countrymen doing that? Uh, yes, it is good to, to see people um, uh, you know, not, not taking the official narrative um, at face value. Um, but it, it, it is interesting. They are um, trying to clamp down still more. Um, <clears throat> they they uh, tend to be dishonest about what they're about. So um, there was a, a series of illegal raves in uh, South London um, led by black gangs um, there. And... Um, there was a lot of talk from the uh, so-called conservative um, government that they were going to do something about clamping down on these um, black gangs organising um, illegal raves in London. Um, so they, they produce a rule uh, which says that if you organise uh, something uh, that's uh, not legal under these um, regulations that they've introduced to um, clamp down on, on, on uh, freedom of assembly, um, then uh, you could be fined £10,000. And um, you know this is this is uh, done under the, that pretext of dealing with uh, raves, but the next thing we find, of course, is that actually somebody who's who they're trying to uh, attack, who, who's challenging their narrative about what's going on, um, winds up being arrested, and um, and, they're, and they're apparently going to fine him ten thousand pounds for um, coming along and making a speech at, uh, at one of these rallies. So we we. we, we we're, we're certainly not at the end of uh, things at the moment. Uh, it's uh, more at the, the start, but I think people are finding it more and more difficult to believe what what they're being told. Um, having said that, I, I should think that um, it's it's certainly true that the majority in the country are still very much um, in believing what they're being told and thinking that things are being done just for the best rather than um, with some sort of agenda in mind. Um I wonder if it would be useful just to explain how we, we wound up with the Coronavirus Act um, coming out of um, nowhere, it seems. I think it, No, I think it absolutely would be. I was going to bring it up. It's quite lengthy, um, and this is just yeah. this is showing Chapter 7. I don't know. This is what Kate sent me. I don't know if this is actually uh, something that is uh, has six chapters before it or, or not, or if this is part of a, bi- a larger bill. But it's quite lengthy. Uh, this is the PDF. It's, it's 359 pages. pages. Yeah, so, so it's 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 uh, plus annexes and everything else. It's about 370 pages, I think. Okay. Um, but it's you know you couldn't have, you couldn't have written that. You know, no officials are going to have written that in um, you know a couple of weeks, are they? It's it's going to have taken months in preparation. Um, so you know if you, if you go back to the beginning of the. Um, um, talk about the pandemic um, back in uh, January, um, there was, you know, no willingness in government to to stop people coming into the country or to do anything about um, qu- genuine quarantine. So in fact, there was a, a supposedly an argument between um, uh, Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister, and, and the Home Secretary, um, who's responsible for dealing with um, immigration issues. Um, she she apparently wanted to uh, test people coming into the country and also wanted to um, have rules about wh- where they could come from so they couldn't fly straight in from Wuhan, for example, where, whereas Boris Johnson was saying that they could. Um, and uh, there shouldn't be any tests. And during the period from the 1st of January to the 23rd of March, when Boris Johnson came on the television and radio to announce that he was... Um, 
ordering a lockdown, despite the fact that he had no legal power to do so, but he was saying he was ordering a lockdown with immediate effect. Uh, by Between the, the 1st of January and that date, 23rd of March, we had over 18 million people come into the country untested, um, and who knows from which country or whether they what proportion of those actually came from China, we don't know. Um, so at one point, they were arguing that they weren't going to do anything very much about locking the country down. Um, and then on the 13th of, of March, we, we went from in the morning, they were saying, don't panic, you know, it'll, we'll, we'll, it'll sort itself out. We'll have herd immunity, you know, as long as we take reasonable precautions of those that are vulnerable, um, then we can carry on more or less. Um, by the by, the end of the thirteenth of March, um, which which was a Friday, Friday the thirteenth, um, we we got to a point where it was, the government was saying it was panicking, and um, you know the, the, it had been predicted that possibly a quarter of a million people might die of this disease. Um, when you actually looked at the, um, you know what what the various people who were supposedly being consulted by the government were saying, uh, the chief of whom was uh, Professor Ferguson of um, you know, of um, Imperial College London. Uh, he, he's a statistician, and he had apparently produced some sort of model where um, at the beginning of March, um, he was saying that possibly a quarter of a million people might die from the disease. But then um, shortly before the government switched its policy, uh, he was saying, actually, he was downgrading that to a maximum of about 20-odd thousand. Um, and um, one of the um, World Health Authority people um, had, had downgraded the disease from its maximum seriousness to um, a less serious one. But then we started to get these this talk that, that they were going to prevent us having elections this year. And... Um, and then um, on the 23rd of March, Boris Johnson came on radio and television, announced that he was um, locking the country down with immediate effect. As I say, he had no legal power to do that. Um, but they then, but then, then um, in the days after that, in Parliament, um, the government was saying that they got this coronavirus bill at that point, um, and um, you know it was an emergency; it had to be got through um, with all possible speed. Um, one of the uh, MPs who was uh, a Conservative MP who was looking at this was saying that you know virtually every page he opened it was it almost made him cry because he was a he's a, a libertarian figure um, and um, you know that here were here were these um, as he put it virtually totalitarian um, provisions about the powers of the state um, on almost every page and um, but but they they. The, the House of the House of Commons and the House of Lords voted for it, and it got it got royal assent. Um, and um, the very next day, the government produced the regulations, um, clamping down on um, uh, freedom of assembly and um, anything else that, uh, that they were claiming was something to do with uh, with the um, disease. Um, but these regulations weren't produced under the Coronavirus Act; they were produced under a 1984 Act which seems um, rather familiar from the point of view of uh, literature about um, dystopian um, totalitarian states. But this act was the um, Public Health Control of Diseases Act 1984, 
which was originally mostly about you know what happens what what the government could do in the event of um, a ship coming in with um, a cargo or with people who'd got who'd got uh, disease and controlling a few people rather than the whole country um, so the you know that that seemed to be uh, an act that wasn't really about allowing ministers to do what they were trying to do um, but of course they had got the coronavirus act in their in their back pocket which allows them to rewrite law um, and um, what's it, I'm not on the face that it does I, if I may, I'll come to the arguments against that point at some at some point in our discussion. But um, so the, the 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 coronavirus act had, had been got through. It, it seemed straight away that the government actually didn't need it in order to uh, produce the um, regulations that they wanted to produce because they'd already got them ready. Um, it also it's worth pointing out that um, the government actually didn't need an emergency powers act because there is already one. Um, that was on the books beforehand, the Civil Contingencies Act. Um, the, the problem with the Civil Contingencies Act, however, uh, from this government's point of view, is that uh, Parliament still had some role in supervising what they were up to. Um, whereas the Coronavirus Act is so extreme that um, basically Parliament is now really out of the loop in terms of making law. It, the the um, only reason that... Um, the government might might allow them to make law is, is really window dressing. Um, the only remaining um, actual constitutional right, seemingly on the um, Coronavirus Act, is that every six months, um, the House of Commons only um, gets the right to, to vote on the continuance of the Coronavirus Act for another six months. <laughs> well, hang, hang on, hang on a second. The only right that's there is the right of the House of Commons. It's not the right of the people. Um, you know, Robin, this seems like somebody just stood the law on its head. Now, I don't know specifically how it works in England. I know us guys across the pond, so to speak. Uh, you know, a couple hundred years ago, our founding fathers saw King George, saw the Parliament as, as being tyrannical upon them. And they were. They were. And they fought against it. And they didn't fight to be revolutionaries. I, I don't like the term revolutionary war. I like the term war for independence. That's what they were trying to do was to govern themselves and govern themselves according to God's law, which all of our state laws at the time, uh, they would reference you know, the, the word of God. They would reference the law of God for their laws and for the punishment for, you know, if you violated the law. And so, but over there, it seems like what you're saying is, is the government says, hey, we have rights, but you little peons that we're supposed to serve, you don't have any rights. And you're exactly right when you say these guys didn't write this. Well, look, the vast majority of laws in the United States are not written by our representatives. They're written by corporations uh, who want to impose their will upon us. Um, you know, I'm no, I, you know, Anne Rand, despite her you know, not being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and the scriptures and things, she saw clearly what they were doing with corporate fascism. And she saw that it was a tyranny against the people, and she was calling it out. That's what they're doing here. That's what they're doing over there. You can rest assured the people behind the Coronavirus Act 2020 are not the representatives. Those are just the paid-off lapdogs. But you know as well as I do that there are entities behind these people with lots of money who put this stuff together, and the people, uh, you know, for the for the vast majority are not even questioning. There are some like yourself, Kate, and some of the people they have who are questioning. Now, let me ask you this. You mentioned Wuhan and all. We've heard all this stuff, and, 
you know, everything that went on. And like in my country, look, I don't blame Donald Trump because he doesn't know certain medical things or, you know, I wouldn't blame Boris Johnson because he doesn't know certain medical things and this, that, and the other. But I'm sure you've heard, you've listened to people like maybe Dr. Andrew Kaufman from over here, graduate of MIT. Uh, you've listened to Dr. Avil, who is over there in, in your country. You've probably listened to Kate uh, speak. And their take on this whole thing as basically a, so we don't get thrown off the uh, video platforms, H-O-A-X. They, they, uh, Dr. Kaufman said out of his research, he's found no evidence of any new disease at all. And so when we look at the numbers, we see them walking them back over here in the States, the CDC walking those numbers back big time, which tells us they were lying in the first place, but then they were telling us they were lying. Dr. Burks would come on and tell us they were throwing in COVID with anything that was, um, you know, any kind of death that was related. They were just tacking on COVID. And that was going on in your country as well. So when we come to this, there's no doubt in my mind that they have planned to do this. They have planned it to overthrow the liberties of the people of England there and the UK at large. And I think I sense that you're seeing that too. That's how you're seeing things going, and that's why you're opposed to it. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. What are they doing in this act? You said 10,000 pounds. Now, I don't know what that is in U.S. dollars. I I think the pound gets you a little less than a dollar. I, I think that's... It's the, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty close, but it, it's a little less. So anyway, they're gonna they're gonna find people now. They haven't been allowing people to go to work, and they've been stifling, you know, their liberty to do such things. And the people are living in a fear, which we don't promote here on the Sons of Liberty. We promote you know the information so you can act against it. Resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. That's that's the motto that we follow, and that's based out of uh, the prophets, the Lord Jesus, John the Baptist. Uh, whoever you find in Scripture, they're always opposing those who are lawless. And so when you look to the Coronavirus Act 2020 and they've got uh, a 10,000-pound fine for it, how are people opposed? First, how are they supposed to pay for that when they aren't working? And then second, what are some of the other things? Because Kate is telling me that you could face up to eight months in prison if you do something, anything, before you get a court date under this particular act. Is, is all of that true? And, and what else is this adding? Well, the trouble is, um, in commenting, Tim, on, on, on what is the current um, rules that the government's promoting, is that uh, they seem to change almost on a daily basis. Um, we, we, we've got a situation where um, ministers are making up rules. Um, they are... Um, not giving any notice, really, or very little notice of uh, the rules coming into effect. They're not consulting uh, publicly at all um, before producing these rules. Um, And um, so you don't really know from day to day what exactly the rules are going to be on anything. Um, They are, um, the the, the point about holding people in um, prison pending trial um, we we used to have a limit, um, which was, uh, I think, about six months. Um, and um, obviously, part of the point of that was to try and make sure that we did have our trials quickly. Um, whereas what's happened is that the, there has been a fairly small increase in the backlog of uh, criminal trials um, as a result of the um, coronavirus measures. Um, but 
the, the main thing is that um, the government has has been not properly funding um, the criminal justice process, uh, and they they've been doing that for quite a few years now, um, and so there was already quite a big backlog of cases. Um, I think it's gone up from something like um, thirty seven thousand backlog um, to um, something like forty one or forty two thousand uh, backlog. So it, is, it sounds like it's the sort of thing that the state could clear off if, if it actually applied itself to it but what they, rather than putting some more money into um, dealing with um, cases promptly what they're trying to do is to increase the amount of time they can hold you in prison um, rather than um, getting on with with the trial um, so far as um, you know what the disease is um, I, I'm not a medical person, so I, I wouldn't like to, uh, to, to to say for sure. But what what I can say, I think with reasonable certainty, <clears throat> is that here here in uh, in England, um, and the health system is separate for England for England from Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Um, although we do have a, a British minister who uh, runs our English health service rather than um, having a, our own, um, but. He he's dealing with a situation where um, we routinely have um, over six hundred thousand people die every year out of a population of um, about six, uh, sixty million. Um, this year we have had a very, and I mean very, slight increase um, on the uh, numbers that we routinely have. Um, the government is now saying. Um, that we've got slight, we've had slightly over forty thousand um, coronavirus-related. Um, the expression they actually use is causes associated with coronavirus. Uh, and there's, there's two things I, I've got to say about that. Well, I think three. The two two key things. One is that the figure is highly dubious, and for the reason that you were saying that they have been counting people. Uh, as having died of coronavirus or causes associated with coronavirus, even when it's pretty obvious that they've actually died of something else. I mean, in the most extreme example, somebody who's quoted is a person being hit by a bus um, and um, <laughs> uh, they, they, they get into hospital and um, the, the, the doctor thinks yes. that there's possibly some symptom of um, coronavirus, in which case they're going to be put down as a, a death associated with coronavirus. Um, and the other thing is, so the figures are pretty unreliable. The other thing is that the government itself has uh, hugely increased the uh, numbers of, of uh, people that have died from it, because this is a, is a disease that seems to affect the elderly um, predominantly. And um, they, they issued an order uh, through the um, National Health Service, NHS England issued this order, uh, saying that uh, the hospitals were to be cleared of um, elderly uh, patients who were known as bed blockers because they couldn't basically find a way of sort of getting them out of the hospitals, and they and they were they were ordered to be put into um, the um, old people's homes, um, and that was to go that was to go ahead even if the doctors knew um, or or suspected that the person had coronavirus. Um, so it would seem that they either negligently or deliberately, um, spread the disease to the old people's homes. Um, and uh, it's thought that at least 20,000 of those that have died have died in the old people's homes. 
So um, actually, if you if you look at the figure of uh, remaining figure of twenty thousand, not of the old people's homes, and and compare that with um, what happens annually with flu. Some some years we have relatively few people die of flu, but um, other years without any publicity at all, um, like. Uh, about four or five years ago, we had a year where 28,000 people died of, of flu. Um, and, you know, nobody said anything about a pandemic at that point. Um, nobody made any points about uh, it being a particularly bad year, even, of flu. You know, it hardly made any of the um, mainstream media at all. Uh, so it's certainly been blown out of all proportion. And that is absolutely crystal clear, I think. And uh, it, it has certainly been used, I think, as a um, an excuse um, to radically change our constitutional legal setup, and um, uh, that, of course, is extremely worrying. Well, no, I I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, part of the issue, I'm I'm seeing some you know some some things in the chat room, and uh, I think there's a lot of people who are speaking to it, and they're. You know, some of them, <clears throat> you know, it's easy for us to sit here and we talk about giving up liberty and this, that, and the other. And in England, you guys have, um, you know, they've attacked your right to keep and bear arms, you know, to mm-hmm. defend yourselves, to get together and form militias and uh, secure a free state, as we say in our, our Second Amendment. They've attacked that. They've done. They've been doing that for decades. The, the interesting thing that I find, Robin, is that uh, in, in this particular issue— you have the force of the state. You've got these police officers, and most of them don't even have guns. They've got um, – I, I see these little uh, batons that they carry. Uh, they may carry a taser. I don't know. Maybe you could correct me on that and, and enlighten me what they do. But they do carry the batons. But they come as the strength in numbers. We saw this uh, on Saturday when the stand-up people came in and where uh, Ke- Dr. Kevin Corbett and Kate Shimarani were at – and it was like a Roman army, the way they formed up. They, they boxed everybody in. They manhandled uh, Kate. About 10 of them yeah. came in, pulled her out. What's your thoughts on, on what was going on there? All she was doing was speaking. She wasn't inciting anybody to violence. She wasn't um, you know, rioting, looting. She wasn't throwing Molotov cocktails or any of this. What's your thought when you see something? It's very disturbing when I see things like that. What, what's your thought there being in England? Uh, two things I'd like to, to say. One is she and um, the protesters were basically doing exactly what the police had asked them to do. Um, they, were, they, they were going to a sort of compound opposite um, Downing Street, which um, when I was a young man, you could walk up and down Downing Street. There was no very little security. There was a single police officer usually on the front door unarmed. Now um, it, it, there's all sorts of security um um, devices and uh, fences and um, the police are armed with um, um, submachine guns from the look of it or sort of salt rifles um, and um, but she, she was opposite the entrance to um, Downing Street in a uh, sort of compound area where the, the, the police had put up um, fences for people to stand there and uh, protest um, and um, and even so, she wound up being attacked, as you rightly say, um, and and as did others. Um, that that that's completely wrong. Um, you also saw, as you rightly say, all you know the large numbers of uh, police that were getting involved in this. 
um, as, as if there had been a riot. Which brings me on to my second point. They, they were not, the, the, the police are doing this to people who are on the patriotic side of, of uh, politics. Um, they are not doing it um, to um, those that are on the leftist side of, of politics. Um, and uh, so, for instance, we've had Black Lives Matter um, riots really going on. And the, the uh, media have reported these as uh, mainly peaceful, even though um, they've been, um, you know, people have been injured in them and, uh, and, uh, and um, um, are statues or um, sort of anything that, that, has, that has some sort of historical um, impact, including a statue of Churchill, have been um, vandalised or um, graffitied um, during, these, during these riots. The police actually move on people who are trying to protect um, the, the statues. They, uh, they, whereas when, when the, uh, the left wing um, come, come at it, they seem to facilitate them. Um, and the, some of the police were taking the knee uh, with the Black Lives riots, Black Lives Matter riots. Um, they haven't been as, as awful as um, the riots here. It haven't been as awful as ones that um, uh, we, we sort of see on the media that seem to have happened um, in, in uh, the United States. But um, nevertheless, it is quite obvious um, that officials are very much on the side of the anti-patriotic. No, I couldn't agree more. I, here's the here's the thing, Robin. And we're showing some of the uh, events that happened after you know our stream got cut. Uh, Dr. Kevin Corbett was providing video for us there for I don't know an hour and a half or so, and I guess his battery died, and that's where we lost it. And that's when Stand Up X had just come in, and then it was shortly after that we began to get the videos in. Kate has sent us some of the videos. Some of her friends have sent the videos where they were manhandling. You could tell earlier Kate was clearly. Um, distraught at how they were handling her. It wasn't. It wasn't cordial. She wasn't committing any violence. They had pulled her out of the crowd of people that were protecting her. There was a guy by the name of Levi Benjamin uh, who was arrested for trying to get these thugs, and that's what they are. These guys in the yellow vest are fascist thugs. He was trying to get them off of her uh, to keep her from doing harm, and he found himself in a jail cell. And uh, and Kate says he needs a massive shout out. People need to stand up for him because he did the right thing. And there comes a time, Robin, and this is that people don't understand. Excuse me, I'm, I clicked the wrong button there, and so we're, we're putting Robin on. I was going to put us on together. Um, there comes a time where people don't understand why the Sons of Liberty report on corrupt cops. I understand people. All cops are not corrupt. I get it. I get that. If they're doing their job, if they're really doing their job, there's nothing to report on. They're just doing their job. It's like me. Nobody's going to report on me for doing a radio show unless they just disagree with you know whatever I say. But the fact of the matter is you let me go out and break the law and everybody in the nation is going to pin it on Sons of Liberty. They're going to, they're going to run my name through the mud. They're going to run Bradley's name through the mud. They're going to run Sons of Liberty through the mud. They're going to do all of this stuff. And the fact of the matter is here are these guys acting under the color of law, it's pretended legislation. This is what this Coronavirus Act 2020 sounds like to me, Robin. And they're doing it, and there's no difference between these guys and the the guys in Nazi Germany because they were just doing their job. They're just doing what they're told, and and it's order to so they can take care of their families. I mean, that's that's the way they think. This is the this is part of what we talk about about the depravity of man. 
they won't stand for the law, the real law, and they don't even know it half the time. And I don't know if it's, I'm, I'm sure it's this way in your country as it is here. People here probably couldn't tell you the first 10 amendments and people running for office asking for the vote who's going to put their hand on the Bible, put their hand up and swear before God and man that they're going to uphold the Constitution. They probably couldn't even tell you the first 10 amendments to the Bill of Rights in the Constitution nor the, first, nor the Ten Commandments. And yet they're wanting your vote. And I'm sure it's probably the same way over there. People are going to take an oath that they're going to uphold the law, that they're going to represent the people. And that's the furthest thing from their mind. They're in there for their political ide- you know, ideology and agenda, whatever they're pushing, or they're there to make money or they're there for whatever reason they're in there. But it isn't to uphold the law. And I think this is why you're seeing some of the things you're seeing there as we're seeing in some of the states here in the United States, as we're seeing in our federal government as well. You want to comment on that? Yes. Um, so one of the things that we've got that um, we're much further along uh, a path, um, which I wouldn't recommend, um, than you are, we ha- our central state is much more um, powerful um, it's much more in control of things. It's it's very centralised, um, and um, it even before uh, all this sort of coronavirus um, act um, change to the, what, what appeared to be the constitution. Um, and if you're thinking about police officers, it's it's worth you know bearing in mind who would get selected to become um, a leading police officer. Um, we don't have elections for police officers at all. Um, what we get is um, a situation where most leading police officers are very committed to the left. Let's be precise. I mean, they're, they're, they are internationalist, multiculturalist, um, pro-mass immigration, that sort of position. Um, and again, with the judiciary, we have no... Um, there's no sort of democratic input into uh, uh, who gets uh, appointed to the judiciary. We don't even have um, um, a system where um, there's, there's any open um, discussion about the background to uh, judges. But um, during the time of uh, Tony Blair and the Labour government, they changed the selection process, saying um, in, in, in public speeches that they were doing it to prevent anybody with reactionary views from being either appointed or promoted to the bench. And what they, what you have to do if you want to become a judge is you have to demonstrate, before you can even your application can even be considered, you have to demonstrate <clears throat> a lifetime's commitment to equality and diversity, which is official jargon for multiculturalism. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so, so our, our legal system, whether it be police or um, the, the judiciary, uh, is already, has already over the last 15, 20 years been turned into a system that is, is actually quite hostile to um, anybody trying to express a sort of patriotic um, point of view. Um, and I, I was I was running a case um, on um, last year about trying to get through on on um, Brexit, leaving the European Union. Um, and the the government had served a, a two year notice under Article Fifty of the European Treaty uh, to get out. Um, when that notice expired, on any normal interpretation, we should have been out automatically. Um, and um, the government hadn't taken any power to extend the um, 
the notice. Um, they, they just carried on as if, as, as if it had been extended. And one of the judges that looked at that case, uh, when we actually looked at his background, I mean, he, he, he was um, totally hostile to what we were, were trying to say that we, we, we were out. Um, and um, whatever, whatever you think of um, our arguments, and I, I personally think they were strong um, on, on traditional legal principles, uh, but um, whatever you think of that, the, the point is that this judge uh, was a was and is a fellow of an organisation called the European Legal Institute, which is a an, an organisation that is partly funded by the EU, European Union, and um, anybody who's a fellow has committed, according to their website, um, to um, act behind the scenes to further broaden and deepen. Um, the uh, reach of EU law. So he was a Euro active, a Europhile activist um, who's uh, working behind the scenes to uh, broaden and deepen the reach of European law, and he's sitting on a case that, that's about whether or not we could get out of the EU. Um, and you know that, that that's now okay according to the uh, judicial system. Well, yeah, but it's because they're not actually following the law. And I think that's the issue, Robin, and some people are commenting about my cursor going across your face. I apologize for that, guys. It's just the way the streaming service does. They're picking up – it picks up the, uh, the the window here. And until I find a way to do it where that's not happening, I, I just apologize. I have to go down here to pick up certain things to show you video while Robin was talking. But this is part of what I'm getting at. If you have the law in place – those who represent the people do not have the authority to write law, as they call it, a bill to be passed or whatever, that undermines the law that's in place. And this is what I've tried to get people to understand in the United States. Our government, our Constitution is not restricting the people. It restricts our government. It tells them, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, but you can do this. We allow you to do that, we give you authority to do this. And even some of that, I'm going to argue, uh, even in the United States, is very socialistic, okay? Um, but there are, there are things within the United States Constitution that says, for instance, the Second Amendment says, uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That means... And because it's recognized as a right, and because the states come along and they up, they take an oath to uphold the Constitution, they're saying, we recognize this as a God-given right, because this goes back to our Declaration of Independence that says our rights come from our Creator, that and our rights are nothing more than our liberties and our authorities to do our duty. In other words, when the Apostle Paul writes that we're to take care of those of our own household, and he specifically in the passage in Timothy is talking about taking care of our widows— he says, if we don't do that, we've denied the faith and we're worse than an unbeliever. And so in, in taking care of, he's talking about provision there, we as men are to provide for our families. We're to protect them as best we can. And part of that means that we're being, we might be armed in some capacity to protect them from those who want to do them harm. And so when we talk about rights, we're talking about liberties that were given by God that are supposed to be protected by the ministers of God. And you guys use that term over there in England, the prime minister. What does that re reference to? It references to Romans 13. They're yeah. to obey God and uphold the, the law against evildoers. So when that's violated, the people have a duty to stand against it. 
And you're doing just that with this Coronavirus Act 2020. You're standing against it. You, you've got uh, fellow countrymen who are doing it. People who may not even be of the same political stripe as you are willing to stand against it. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's really the issue is, is a stand against tyranny to push it back. That is what the Sons of Liberty are about. And that's really why we have you on the show is because you're doing that. Yes. Uh, Timothy, can I comment on something? Sure, please. Uh, because uh, in England, <clears throat> um, and um, I, I'm being specific that it's England, uh, our um, traditions um, of, of England date back, um, you know, many, many centuries. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, one of our sort of founding um, figures is Alfred the Great, a, a, a king originally of... Uh, uh, one of the English kingdoms, Wessex, um, and he 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 was very keen on on a number of things. He was he was effective militarily. He was he was fighting the the Vikings, who were basically trying to take over the country, uh, and had largely succeeded. They had destroyed all the other kingdoms apart from Wessex. Um, but he, as as part of his. Um, Effort to, to fight back. He 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 had a he he was working on a number of levels: education, military, of course, um, reform of legal systems and of, of the way that the country was defended generally. And one of his things was he wrote a a, um, a legal code. It's one of the earliest legal codes. It's not it's not fully the earliest, but it's one of the earliest, in which he starts um, very much according to what you're saying. He starts explaining his legal code on the basis of uh, biblical authority. Um, and um, building on that over the, over the centuries, um, we, we, we have had um, a, you know, a number of um, instances where English people have been trying to say um, that our rights as people do come from not only our traditions, but also from God, as you, as you um, are clearly saying. Um, and I think the skipping on quite a, a few centuries straight away uh, to 1689 and the Glorious Revolution, um, where uh, Protestantism um, was basically entrenched in in our um, constitutional thinking, um, with um, w William coming over from um, the, the Netherlands, from Holland, um, with his uh, with well, his you wife. Guys, you guys have um, the great. You guys have the great Oliver Cromwell. I mean, he's a hero yeah. of mine. That he was a Protestant. He saw the selling out of England uh, by Charles too. the First. Yeah, and he stood up but, against but, that. Well, the reason I've skipped on to the sixteen eighty nine is because uh, you were, you were mentioning about the American Constitution. Yes, uh, and in, and in particular the Bill of Rights, uh, the the amendments, um, because the we we had a Bill of Rights too uh, in sixteen eighty nine, and our Bill of Rights is. Many many respects quite similar uh, to um, to your Bill of Rights because of course many of the um, American revolutionaries were were basically saying um, that they wanted the rights of freeborn Englishmen and they were looking back partly to Oliver Cromwell as you as you rightly say but, but right. specifically they were looking back to sixteen eighty nine um, and one of the, one of the rights that uh, that appears there is the right of uh, Protestant men. Um, to bear arms to to uh, avoid a, a, another Catholic um, invasion. Coup. It was an invasion that was set up. Yeah. So so um, 
one of the reasons why I, as a lawyer, would say um, that the um, Coronavirus Act is not constitutionally valid um, is for the sort of reason that I think you were talking about there, where where there's a limit to what government can actually do and the state can actually do. Um, and in 1689, there was a period of time where there was really no no formal government because uh, James II had fled the country, um, chucking the uh, Great Seal of England into the Thames as he went. Um, and um, he'd, he was sort of, he, there was a debate about whether he had resigned as king or abdicated or um, exactly what had happened. Or, um, but in the end, uh, there was a sort of constitutional convention um, which led to uh, something known as the Declaration of Right, uh, in which the uh, potential new um, king and queen agreed to a, a limitation of um, of their of their rights as king and queen to the to, to the established constitutional rights and the, and rights that were um, agreed as part of this constitutional convention. So we we actually did have um, a process that it is in some respects, analogous to what happened in America um, in 1689. And, and so we got the Declaration of Rights, and then um, King and Queen uh, become King and Queen. They call Parliament. Parliament then passes the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights is said to be forever. Um, and so it is, it is our, our fundamental, foundational, constitutional um, bit of legislation. Um, and courts in this country have said over the years uh, that you can't change constitutional um, law without something very specific in the way of a, a change to the um, statute law. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether that, that, that actually adds up as a, as a theory, because it seems to me that if it's constitution, it can't be changed. Absolutely. Well, it, or, or it, it has process. to have an amendment to change it. Well, that's what we have in this country is supposed to be an, exactly. uh, an, an exactly. amendment but, to change it. At the very so, least, yeah. uh, the, the, the courts have said that you can't make these changes without there being a specific act of parliament, which specifically says that it is, it is amending that bit of our constitution. Um, and... Uh, one of the things about the Coronavirus Act and, of course, all the regulations being introduced is that they make no reference to um, re repealing any, any part of our constitution. So e even on sort of first principles, as it were, it, it, it's, it's not, it's, it shouldn't be constitutionally valid. Uh, and it therefore needs, I, I think, to be challenged. And, and we're trying to do that. Well, I think that's a good thing. I think this is where the people have to stand up. You're doing that. You've got some people backing you. you obviously, when we see what happened in Trafalgar Square uh, a week and a half ago and what we're anticipating coming in a week and a half is you've got a lot of people behind you too. Now, the media over there, and we've got about three and a half minutes, the media over there are you know labeling guys like yourself, uh, guys like uh, or ladies like Kate Shimarani, um, and, you know, love him or hate him, David Icke, uh, on this issue, I think he's right. And I'm, I'm behind him on that, even though I disagree with him on other things. And you have other people like um, uh, Pierce Corbin, who was arrested on Saturday. I mean, it looked like they were really attacking these guys on Saturday. So you've, yeah. you've, got, these, you've got all these people behind you. And I think, you know, the, the message of hope here, uh, we don't give a doom and gloom message. Things may look, look dark, and they are dark. But our... 
our uh, our vision of things is it's the light shines brightest in the darkness. So let the dark come, let it let it do its thing, and then let the people of light, and I talk about those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, because in God there is no darkness. Um, and so we're to be the light of the world. And when we go out and we present the light, we push back the darkness. That's what we're called to do. The, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We're to push back the darkness. We're to expose them for what they are, Ephesians 5.11. And we are to do our duty before God and man because one day we're going to answer. You know, our life isn't forever. We're going to answer for what we're doing. And we're doing this not only for ourselves, but we're doing it for our posterity. And this, I believe this is what God has called us to do. And so, uh, you know, you have our support at the Sons of Liberty for what you're doing here concerning this coronavirus attack. Uh, I, I want to say coronavirus attack 2020, not the coronavirus act. And uh, you've got our support there. Robin, um, <clears throat> as we come up uh, on the end of the show, tell people a little bit about where they can find out more about you, uh, more about the English Democrats, and what you guys are doing to push back against this. Yes. So um, we have a website, um, EnglishDemocrats.party. Um, and uh, I've got a, a Twitter handle, um, at Robin Tilbrook. Um so people would be welcome to uh, follow me or, or go to our website to see what we're what we're about. Um, at, the, at the moment, what we're focusing on is um, trying to bring a court case uh, to challenge um, what, what's going on. Um, on on traditional legal principles, we should stand a good chance of success. Um, but at the very least, we've got we've got to give it a try. I think uh, we've got to try and use the the legal system to correct what's going on um and um by the way i one of the things that we we've we've had clamped down on uh, enormously as you mentioned david ike is freedom of speech you know we 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 need we need uh, your your help tim um to get the message out because the, the fact is um in england we've got regulation of um of the way that um media is allowed to operate and what it's allowed to say by an organization a government organization called ofcom and before the government even started down this route they got ofcom to issue an order to all the mainstream media that they were not to report uh any contrary narratives um, and that is why david ike who was invited on to to talk about um the coronavirus he, he's now basically been banned from any um media outlets um, so we, no, we, he we, has. Are, uh, we are in quite a difficult position. Yeah, no, and, and that's why I say you have a friend in us uh, over here at the States. Robin, we're out of time here. Thank you so much for your time this morning. We appreciate you very much and your stand there for the people. And um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit after the show. But we appreciate that very much. We want to support you. Whatever we can do, let us know. 23 Hours will be back with you. See ya.